Hey, Pronouncers, welcome back to the podcast. Bruce from Printavo here. We've got Mr. Stephen Farrag out of Campus Inc. And our very special guest today is going to be Jessica Tillery from All Quality Graphics. Really cool episode. She shares with the revenue that she's at. She shares profitability. A lot of really neat numbers that help to dial in the business financially. And then also some equipment that she likes, uh, some favorites that she's bought. So that was very cool. But very quickly, we got to jump into our sponsors. You guys have helped us support the podcast uh, and allow us to keep doing it, which we're very excited about. Check out these three when you have time and if you need it, Graphic Source, EasyWay, and MultiCraft. Graphic Source specializes in providing high-quality, production-ready art with dedicated staffing solutions for decorators around the world. They work with so many shops, especially Printavo shops now. They are trained in Printavo to be able to help handle production art. EasyWay. You shouldn't spend all day cleaning dirty screens. EasyWay's line of environmentally conscious chemicals will get the job done faster, more efficiently, and cost you a fraction of the cost per screen. Thank you to EasyWay as well. They also sponsor uh, Pronouncers Conf and everything else that we do. They're great. And Multicraft. I know you guys follow Multicraft Daddy. Multicraft underscore daddy if you need ink, supplies, or a daddy. Multicraft screen printing and digital supplies for over 50 years. Provides you with the top brands at competitive prices. But more importantly here, give them a shot. They're an awesome distributor. Mention Printavo and you'll get 10% off your first order. All righty, let's jump in. It sounds great. Wait, where are you, by the way? I'm in my office at the shop. Oh, wow. Wow. You decorated it really well. It's not just like <laughs> blank you. walls and a couple of random shirts. <laughs> I was like, is it your living room? But then in the back, there's the windows that definitely look like a hallway. Yeah, windows. You can see the little screens on the in the window, the little uh, screen collage. That's awesome. Where is Citrus Heights, California? Sacramento. So we're about oh, okay. 15 minutes from downtown Sacramento. You nice. guys got to get out here. We got to get some surfing in on the Delta down here. I was about to say, Farrag's also a wake surfer. So We used to do, with our team, do a, we called it Water Chill Wednesday, and we would head out to the lake. We'd try to be out of the shop by like one or two. Oh, wow. You take the whole team? Go out there. I mean, we would have to do it in increments, so a handful of us would go each time, and we'd kind of rotate. It's but fun. you would go every time? because I'd go every time. Of course. I mean, come on. Someone's got to drive. And Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, because I feel like you that's your role, Stephen, is And you guys driver. have met Brian. He's a, he's my right-hand man here. Like He goes every time, and he's the other driver, so it works out perfect. Wait, what else What else do you do for your team? to like? Because that's really cool. Yeah, we try to do a lot of things to kind of keep everybody bonded. Um, that's probably the most fun one on my list. We do a lot of uh, positive affirmation stuff around here. So when it's somebody's birthday, we bring in lunch, of course, and then we actually gather around and we pour into that person. So we'll speak life into them and everybody has to say either a sentence or a word or a story or something that they love about that person. And that just, it really boosts morale and it's, it's fun to see everybody just kind of build some confidence off of that and, and really touch each other. Whose idea was that? It was mine. Uh, but it's awesome. I highly recommend it for every company to do that. Um, we also recently have started doing gratitude journals. So everybody here has their own journal and we'll try to gather. Um, I try to, I've been slipping, but I try to get them together to do push-ups or some little huddle. We'll huddle everybody in and it's like, all right, everybody down. We're doing 40 seconds of push-ups. Um, or squats or whatever it is. And then afterwards we'll write in our journal and 
it's just a good time for them to to realize, gosh, in the grand scheme, we're so blessed. You know, we could be having a really crappy week. Things are going wrong. You know, we all have a lot of pressure and you write in there and you see these quotes and these different things of gratitude. And you're like, gosh, I mean, in the grand scheme, mm. I really am blessed. It's not that bad. We have it really good. That is true. That's really so those things cool. are great. Um, we'll have uh, guys come out and cater a barbecue every now and then just to kind of huddle outside, play basketball, play frisbee golf, whatever it is. But we have such a rad team and everybody really enjoys each other. So when we do these things, it's fun. You know, it's really gets wow. everybody. Nobody wants to punch the clock and just, you know do the daily grind. And so in, in those times, it's like, man, we really are blessed to have a really cool core that truly enjoys each other. And we're like a little family. Do you, do you think that helps with recruiting when you're hiring? Like just like not selling your culture, but like, is it pretty easy to hire because you have an awesome team or, and because you retention too? Like oh, yeah. for sure. our retention is really good. And I think that's one of the reasons why. Um, and we've never had a problem hiring really. And again, I think that's just a good reputation and people seeing that we do these things on social media and, you know, wow, that looks like an awesome place to work. But I think really it comes down to us just having really good people here. Um, you guys know, you know, a, a bad egg when you see it and you get it out right away. And I think just having a culture that fosters community and, and everybody just really loves on each other around here and we just have respect and it's, it's just a fun place to be. You know, you actually do post, I'm pulling up your Instagram. You do post. Uh, it's terrible. My, I, okay. So I suck uh, at social media. I hate it. It's, it's terrible. I'm actually actively looking for somebody to do that full time. I, I mean, I was going to say you post though, you post more team things than I think most people do. Most people post a lot of like, this is the job I just did, but a lot like the last almost nine posts or so were very much so like, very cool team driven. So I wonder if that also, cause I think people think maybe it's a sales thing, but also it's, you're right. Maybe it is more of a recruiting thing. Yeah. I think yeah. a little bit of both. And I think honestly, that's what matters. I mean, obviously we're all pumping out cool prints every day, but I think being here and being on a team that cares and is, you know, cares about the details and wants to be here and loves what we do is the important thing. So I try to showcase that and I'm kind of learning as I go that, that's actually what people want to see is the authenticity and the the people, the team. They don't really care about the actual shirt or the garment. I mean, they do, of course, but it's more it's more fun to see the people making it. You know, yeah. I think that's really what really <clears throat> connects us. I, I think like genuine authenticity on social is hard to do. And I feel like people are like, oh, my gosh, I have to do social. And you, like you said, if you find the wrong person, it can really make you look like spammy or like annoying or you know, non-authentic, but it seems even though it's not like a crazy following, it is very genuine, meaning like showing the team, having meals together, hard work, like really cool prints. Um, and it's like, if I was stalking all quality graphics to look for apparel, I'd be like, wow, that looks like a cool group. Like they're going to take care of me, you know? Um, and I don't think you need a lot of followers to necessarily tell that story. Even if those are your just 600 customers, there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, w I want true followers, you know, I don't want a bunch of fake followers who aren't really interacting or don't really care about our content. So just let it grow organically. Proof. It'll do what it does. And for us, the beautiful thing is we've never had to do any sales. I still don't have a salesperson. We've done zero sales, almost zero marketing 
very little social media. The business just keeps coming and coming. Um, so we've been very lucky in that aspect. At some point, probably do want to jump on that and do sales. But I'm honestly happy with where we are. I think we're in our sweet spot. I have learned over the last few years that growth, you know, increased revenue is not necessarily growth. For us, we've actually scaled back. We're trying to be very picky and do quality over quantity. And it's been great. I mean, COVID hit us really hard. We took like a 30% hit. Um, however, that was in our revenue. Our net profit was actually higher than hmm. pre-COVID. So Damn. I'm learning to kind of scale back, really lean out our team. And we're actually making more money now and bringing in less revenue. Wait, can you so share where you're at company-wise, size-wise, as much as you can? Yeah. So we, again, we took a 30% hit this year. So we were just south of 2 million. Um, right now we're at 11 people on our team. And I'm actually trying to lean that out a little bit more. Um, I like to sit around 200,000 per employee. So we're kind of fine tuning things and trying to get a little bit more equipment, better equipment, and really just dial in on the equipment, a really lean team and just maximizing profit. So we're being that, very, very picky. Is that the number you think 200,000 per, cause I, 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 I think that's a healthy you know, number, but it's healthy. Mark Coudre always says 150. Like you have to be at least 150. Yeah, tech um, is usually like 150 plus. Yeah. And that's probably about where we ended this year, but I am way more comfortable being closer to the 200 mark. Um, so that's kind of the goal is to really lean out, be very picky, focus on quality over quantity. So we've really scaled back. We, we almost do zero sports teams and uniforms. Now we used to do tons of little leagues, you know, all the softball leagues, all that stuff. And I mean, like all the stuff Steven's good at all the sports and fan wear. Um, we suck at it. Too. I've learned that it's just for us, it's more trouble than it's worth. And we're working our tails off and, you know, chasing it. And at the end of the day, not making the profit that I want to make. So we have, learn to just turn all that stuff away. How? Um, you just say no? Our minimums. Yeah, just say no. And it's hard at first. I mean, the first year I did that, I was like, oh. So what would you raise your minimums to? Um, it's 30 piece for a one color or 50 for multicolor. Gosh. And that's been wonderful. Honestly, that's been awesome. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, you guys know, obviously direct to film is getting big now, but it's those three, four color jobs, 30 pieces that come in where you, you look back, you're like, really? Why did I even take that? For us, we're just learning that it's just we, we're only going to take the quality stuff, the stuff that is a good profit. And it's been really good for us because then we can kick back a little bit. It's not chaos around here trying to scramble to get a million jobs out the door. And we can really just focus on quality and at the end of the day, actually make some money. Wow. So really well. 30 pieces, one color front and that's it. Right. Or will you do one color mm -hmm. front and back? One color front and back. I mean, it could one be a four location print. That's fine. As long as it's one color. And, and, and you're doing that because it's all about setups, right? Because setups are going yeah. to crush you. Um, exactly. That's super, super smart. Now, okay, like how was that transition for your team like and your customers? Did they – is it more customer education where you just say, hey, just so you know, if you're only ordering 30 shirts, we can only do a one color? Yep, it's all customer education. So we're really trying to just guide them on – what's going to be most cost effective for them and what we actually do. And it, it's kind of helping us weed out our customers too, because honestly, we're just going for large construction companies, you know, bigger companies that are doing high volume, you know, rarely less than a hundred shirts, but we really like to be in that 250 to 500 piece. Gotcha. So then 
to, to follow up what happens, like rules are sometimes broken. How strict are you all about it? Is it like the, like we have some strict rules at Campus Inc. We do not open online stores once they close. We don't care. Is, are you pretty gung ho about it? Like pretty strict? We are. Um, however, in the slow times, for instance, right now, February is historically a slow month. So we will bend a little bit. And if it's somebody we really like, especially we'll bend. So obviously we make exceptions if it's people we really, really like or they're in a pinch. But we try to be pretty darn strict about it. I would say this past year we we stuck to that role. Wow. So 30 pieces, one color per location, 50 pieces, you can go two? Um, you can actually go six, eight, doesn't matter at that point. However, we try, we're, we don't really want to take a 50 piece, eight color job, but mm-hmm. at that point it's kind of a judgment call. And who makes those calls? Is it you or do you have like, you know, like customer service and how, how does that work? Cause this is really interesting, I think. Yeah. So we have four of us gals in the office. We have our office manager, Nicole, um, and then two gals that are, I call them merch experts. And the four of us kind of divide and conquer on the quotes. And this is something actually I wanted to pick your brain about at the, at Long Beach, Stephen was, I want to know how you guys do your quoting and how that's kind of divvied up. And cause I'm, it's, I've been struggling with this. It's like, do you allocate one person and that's all they do for their 10 hours a day or, do you divide and conquer like we're doing? Obviously, me as the owner, I my goal these last two years has been to get out of the shop and, you know, work on the business as we all want to do. And so I find myself when I'm here getting caught in that, you know, busting out some quotes. And obviously, that's not where my time is best spent. Um, but the three gals, I mean, they do an amazing job just dividing, conquering as it comes in. So for us, that's working really, really well. But I'm curious, how do you guys do it at Campus Inc.? So uh, this is something we struggle with. Definitely. Um, we're moving towards account management sales. So if uh, there's a qualified customer, they're going to have a point person that they're that they go to every time. But really, like, I think the true way to do it is you have uh, you have you have individuals that are just I don't know if you call them SDRs, Bruce, or like they're working on the ground floor with the easy leads, the quick quotes, the ones that aren't really qualified. I need 20 shirts, maybe first time customers. And then anyone who is like a repeat customer or a qualified customer or an order that is in your sweet spot, they go to more of an expert that's going to try and close them. So like, you know, the standard versus the premium versus enterprise. Um, And what we're trying to do is uh, create true account managers for any of our enterprise customers. So like, you know, we talk about the 80, 20 rule of your customers. Um, but those that make up the most around your revenue need dedicated support so that you can actually be active and call on them and engage with them. Cause I, I think the thing we struggle with is we don't do enough forecasting. Like, Hey, we know that we took a big 10,000 piece order. Have we hit them up again? Like, have we talked to them and said, Hey, are you guys coming back? Like we're very fortunate. I think in, in a lot of the industry faces, this is we don't do enough forward thinking in sales. Um, but we have a very much, it's all speed to quote, uh, for us. It's how quickly can we convert them to a quote? And if they're qualified, how quickly can we get them on the phone? And that's basically the hardest thing to get is how do you get a salesperson to actually talk to someone? Do you guys right. talk on the phone with your customers and stuff? Like, is we that do. pretty common? We do yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Um, um, we're trying to kind of eliminate 
so much correspondence back and forth. So we've, we've created a really good like template of questions to ask so that we can, you know, provide a quote right off the bat, but there's still, there's still a lot of correspondence going back and forth. So that's takes a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and I'm with you on the, we're, we're really trying to focus on the 80, 20 rule. Um, and it's true. I mean, 20% of our customers are our bread and butter. That's what really makes us the, the money. So we're trying to pour into them. Um, you know, do customer visits and try to really retain them and keep those guys happy. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's, it's interesting when you sign up for a piece of software, you get a call right away. I don't know, Bruce, if you see this, yeah. like, you'll be I like, mean, oh, Zillow schedule a demo. If you reach out to uh, a property yeah. on Zillow, they text you, they call you, they call you again. Um, they don't it's stop. very like, they're yeah. trying to definitely, I mean, I think it's that. a little over the top, but clearly there's something there with the timing aspect of the quicker you reach out, which I think about when I go to Yelp, like when I need to find a somebody to do something on the house, it's just the fa- the fast, the first couple that are the fastest are the ones who I'm interested in. Yeah. And usually the so first Jesse, one, because I'm just over it. Yeah. So For do sure. You, do you think that it would be better, just in your opinion, because this is something we struggle with, to hop on a call with a qualified customer and do a 10 minute discovery call or is it better to just send them a bunch of questions to fill out first like what do you value or or how do you all do it because i struggle with this quite a bit yeah that's a tough one i think if it's your ideal customer that you really really want this person it wouldn't hurt to jump on a call but Mm -hmm. for us it's a we just shoot them an email um because i know for me personally i don't like when people call and like right away try to jump down your throat like let's make this happen this is what we do what if they texted Um, you I don't like that either, but I'm such mm. an email person. Um, sure. so I would, I like when an email comes through and it's like, okay, here's all the details. This is what we need. Like, this is how we move forward. I wonder if there's a medium. I wonder if there's like a medium of like, how do you like to, to talk? Because I'm very much more text than email or phone because I'm probably doing three other things. And so I can right. like async it. Um, and I feel yeah. like my email is I'm just kinda- too much, but anyway, it's kind of interesting. I'm old school. And trust me, we have customers where we know they're not going to email with us. Like we have to jump on a call or we have to text them. Um, and we kind of like you, Steve, and we have a little bit of account management going on to where we have certain customers who we, we allocate one person to them and they take care of them. You know, we have Sacramento Black Rifle. They're one of our big customers. Nicole, our, our office manager, takes care of them because it's a, such a beast and they need a lot of attention and it's very detailed. So. I think one of the things that we struggle with is qualifying a customer and then giving them the right amount of attention, but not too much. Like what drives me nuts is when I see in our inbox, us going back and forth with a customer, like 30 threads deep and it's a 13 piece order. Exactly. I'm just like, we just wasted three hours of our time to sell 13 shirts. Like, And, and it's interesting, like your employees, I don't know if you see this, but my employees will get hung up on the smallest orders and sometimes not qualify the correct ones. Do you spend a lot of time like qualifying or is that, is that something you do is like, is it like, do you guys have a, is it worth it meter? Like, is this someone we want or not? Pretty much. And yeah. And it's, it's more of a judgment call at this point, but that's where we've been trying to really like up our minimums and set standards because Exactly like you said, you spend hours going back and forth with this person. At the end of the day, it's a pain in the butt, twenty piece order. Mm-hmm. So we're just really trying to kind of see what the potential is of that customer first, and then we decide how much we pour into them. 
Wow. Bruce, you um, guys. That said, though, real quick, obviously, obviously we want to treat everybody well. So whether you're buying 30 shirts or 10,000 shirts, we're going to treat you the same. We're going to give you same stellar service. However, you know, a high end customer is obviously going to going to um, deserve that phone call or whatever it is. to. Bruce, how, how do you guys do it at Printavo? Because you have customers that are on starter plan, you know, mm-hmm. that are, you know, probably not breaking you know they might even be lost it's it's to be honest it's a not it's not a profitable plan i mean it's 49 bucks a month but i think for yeah anyway it's a separate thing but so how how do you like how do you still give them the same amount of love and support than the customers paying four or five hundred dollars a month on premium with everything like does your team actually have to like stop themselves and say ah we have to give them the self-help or do you guys usually just like answer everyone's questions how does that work our our flow is there's in what's called an sdr that basically tries to qualify them to make sure that they are actually interested in what we have to offer and after somebody fills out a contact form then they go through that if they're like okay this is a screen printing or apparel first decoration shop cool if you're not apparel first and you're a sign first, for example, or um, engraving first or something, this is not the product for you. And we will be like, you, we'll show you a demo. But if not, then, you know, um, just, just as a heads up, it's probably not going to work out. Um, hmm. Then, um, and we've turned out a lot of business we, that we used to take, but because it confused the rest of the flow, the process, the product, the support team, like all this other stuff. And so the short-term hit gave us, I think, a long-term focus that really helped niche us more. Um, but after that, support-wise, we we actually don't distinguish. Now, the success team obviously isn't going to want to um, do a deep dive into somebody's zaps or something for two hours for somebody paying $50 a month. But uh, we try to distinguish that out by... Um, um, by segmenting the plans though. So it's a little bit different, right? Because on that, that plan, you don't get some of the advanced functionality that would require the advanced help as if like, Hey, for this dollar spend, you don't get all the complexities in, in like it's, you're buying a package. And actually there was that one shop that kind of exemplified this where they had a, that Shopify store is somewhere in California actually too, but they, um, like big graphics or you remember that one where they, you, you yeah. bought packages package. on the Shopify store that got rid of all the low end type of customers, like 25, two color, you know, is X dollars. And they kept directing them to the website just to buy it. And then that way the money was collected and then they managed it throughout. That's kind of how ours filters. But again, it's a grain of salt. It's different business as in, yeah. Software no, it's interesting because when we used to go to the trade shows, we would take anyone that would come our way, Bruce. It'd be like, you're a vehicle yes. wrap, you're a laser engraver, you're Anything. a whatever. Anything. Yeah. And, when we, when and, you're starting, when you're young, but it's just, it adds, I think like we're a team of almost, we're 28, 29. And it's just, it, it's hard because the product has to be really good for one or it's half-assed for everything. And then it's the support team has to be trained really well for one or half asking again for everything. The sales team has to speak the language correctly. Like it really dribbles down to all these areas and it was so difficult. We just didn't have the resources to be able to correctly handle that. 
It's good. All right. Let's talk about your shop a little bit. So you run two autos. Um, you're an all rock shop. It looks like, right? No, I actually have a workhorse as well. You do have a workhorse. So one workhorse, one rock, rock, or it'll eventually be two rocks. No, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Um, usually goes that way. Talk to us about the transition you made, you know, why you chose them. Tell us about, cause you talk a little bit about equipment transition, getting new equipment. Sure. So I've had my eye on rock for a long time. I mean, obviously they're awesome. I mean, the culture they've built and it's just, they're just, they're fun guys. They're awesome people, but honestly, let's be real. It's a sexy machine. I mean, you look at a workhorse and it's just this blue boring thing. And then you go into a rock shop and it's, it's very impressive. Um, and not that you should buy equipment based on how, how good it looks, but it does make a difference. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, so that for us has been a game changer just cause it's, it's a great press. It's a beast. Um, we also just got the rock tunnel dryer, the split belt. And so that was a game changer as well. It's so nice to be able to print two different things. You know, we have cottons and polys going at the same time or whatever the case is. So that's been awesome. Um, we do fulfillment for a certain partner. I'm not going to say who it is, but we have three direct to garment machines that we run as well. And so that fulfillment's going really, really well for us. Um, and then we do embroidery in house as well. So all has been well. Um, I do have a question for you, Stephen. We're in the process of getting a reclaiming machine and this is long overdue for us. And, um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, what you have. So we actually went to this past show and I'm super intrigued with the hydro blaster. I don't know if you've even seen it yet. It's a little guy. It literally does one screen at a time, goes through 30 seconds and spits it out. And obviously you run it back through. So you're looking at a minute per screen. Um, so it's between that, the Lotus Holland, of course, and then kind of intrigued with this new blue water thing. I don't know enough about it. So I'd love to hear your take on that. (laughs) So reclaim is not a problem in our shop because we have an employee that like is semi-retired and loves it. I don't know why. Um, and so he comes in at like 5am reclaims until like 10 or 11 goes home and he, it's, it's his dream retirement job. So we've always said when he retires, we'll have to get auto mm-hmm. reclaim. So, but with that being said, I think it comes down to like, one is volume, right? Do you have enough volume to, to support it? Because I don't think it's cheaper by any means. You still have chemistry. There's a lot of chemicals involved. Um, you really like, I've heard the machines are a little fin- Um, And I don't think it's necessarily going to be less expensive. It's just going to be less of something you have to worry about because anyone can run it and you're not going to be burning through employees. Uh, With that being said, um, it's really cool to see what Alex uh, is doing with Blue Water. I don't know a ton about it. I'm probably pretty inexperienced in it, um, if anything. I think he's got some cool things that he's working on. Bruce, you talked to Alex a little bit, right? Yeah, he's just getting started. Um, he's, He's sold quite a few, though. Uh, but we're going to have them on the show. It's, it's new. Obviously I do see a lot of the Lotus Hollands and I think MNR has one too, um, that we'll see a bunch of in shops, but all right. So we just had some technical issues and that's okay. Steven, Steven's computer just went black, which is funny because my computer did the exact same thing about three episodes ago. And so he had to run the whole thing too, but, um, oh, you're talking about auto reclaim. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, it's very similar to direct to screen in a way, right? Where it's, it's a very time-based cost decision. And so you, um, now the, the, the ones that I have seen in the shops that are pretty popular are the, 
the, I don't know what the MNR one's called, but theirs and the Lotus Holland is the, um, yeah. but, I, but a lot of people do say it to, to Farrick's point is not perfect. And for sure. Yeah. People are still, still yeah. spraying it down or, you know, scrubbing a bit. And, um, so it's not magic. Yeah. I, I think just taking away that job, that dirty job that nobody wants to do and making it a little more efficient, a little less dirty would be mm-hmm. good. And we're in California. So labor's, labor's not cheap. So true for us, it makes sense. It really does pencil. Um, but Farrag's lucky. He has a retired guy doing it. I mean, that's, He's blessed. He should. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's gonna be a I've world of hurt when that guy doesn't want to do it anymore. The uh, what's what's interesting too is I do see a lot of shops when they are fully automated. It is one person jumping around to different areas. So it was one person literally in the dark room that's um, you know uh, putting screens in to lay the emulsion down, then clicking you know and setting up the CTS, then going loading up screens, taking off tape and everything and putting them in or they have whoever finished that job kind of cleans it up a little bit and gets them put in a pile to put into the auto reclaim and then spraying it out um, when it's ready like a, a new screen's ready. So yeah. and that's what we do. We have one guy who just does all things screens um, from the CTS to cleaning them everything. However, we did just have a, a retired guy come in. He's just starting with us. He's washing squeegees for us. And similar to Farrag's guy, he just wants something to do and he loves it. And that's been a pain point for us. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but nobody wants to wash squeegees. You know, it's like washing right. dishes all day. So that's been a huge blessing. I'm hoping that continues to pan out. So what is the best piece of equipment that you feel like you've bought? I mean, you've got a a, a really solid business, great team and everything you know, some automated equipment there. What is it? I think the CTS was a game changer, honestly. Really? Which one did you get? Films, the Douthit. Okay. Um, and Mark's just incredible. I mean, the, the yeah, service. No and, doubt about you know, that. He can't, he can't speak highly enough for that guy. Um, but for us, that was really a game changer, just getting rid of films and fighting with old school printers. And it's just, it's, it's so much better. But I mean, all of our stuff, the rock obviously is, has been a phenomenal piece for us. Um, as far as embroidery, our Baird and machine, I, I think is second to none. Um, and then in the D2G world, the we have the brother GTX Pro. I don't know how much you know about D2G, but it has the bulk ink mm-hmm. cartridges and that thing mm-hmm. has been a beast. I mean, I would highly recommend it. It's awesome. So Although this, D2G is probably dying, but for us, for what we use it for, which is fulfillment for tote bags exclusively, mm-hmm. it is amazing. Kick spot. Okay. I want to ask you about that, but wait, the CTS side, cause I've heard a lot of people say that that is the biggest game changer in the shop. What, what was it like? Was it more of an efficiency improvement? Was it just a quality of life thing with, with getting rid of the film, not dealing with the ink and the printers? Um, what, what's the comparison there? I think all of the above, I mean, the quality of life, cause you're no longer hassling with those old school printers, which always seem to have problems. You're always replacing the black cartridges and the printers down or whatever the case. So not fighting with that. Um, the cost of films, films have gotten expensive. And so not having to buy those films and print those films anymore alone is a cost savings. And then just the efficiency, those, you can do screens so, so quickly. So for us, it just, it was kind of a no brainer. I, I, I honestly think we should have done it a couple of years prior to when we did it. So I recommend that for probably anybody running an auto. It's just it's such a game changer. That's pretty cool. And then, um, so you got that. Uh, and then 
walk me through this, this, um, actually wait for your art department too. Is that internal or is it outsourced? It's internal. So Brian, I'm sure you've met Brian. He's a brilliant designer. I mean, the guy's so Mm -hmm. fast on steps and everything. So him, and then we have another designer on our team, knock that stuff out. And I mean, flawlessly and so efficiently. So we've never really needed a, we've never had a need to send that out. Um, however, I know the guys at graphics X and, uh, George at SEPS IPO or is that how you say it? I can never get his oh, name. Gavin, right. Gavin. Yeah. Gavin. Yeah. Have a great thing going. And I think at some point that might be advantageous for us to look to have those guys tap in and, you know, source that out to them. But for now our flow is awesome. Like Brian does it flawlessly and we have a really good thing going internally. So the DTG setup, you said you have four machines, three machines, and that's all for one customer to, to do fulfillment for them. Like on demand, I'm assuming, or. Um, so we're tapped into their system and it's, it's such a great setup. It's seamless. Um, so we log in and we'll do, we'll send out about five to 600 orders for them on average a day. And it just comes through the pipe. We fulfill it. The shipping labels created through them and we get it out the door. So it's, it's kind of a one man show on our end and it's, we're just pumping them out. It's very, very easy. So is that through something like a ship station where the orders come into and, and or how does that work with the flow? Or is it's total custom with, with this partner? It's total custom with this partner. Yeah. Ah, and I don't okay. think I'm allowed to say who it is, but I, you know who it is and, and their system's very sophisticated and basically they have their own internal shipping, like a ship station, but it's through their themselves. Um, so it's a good thing. It's, and it just kind of just keeps our, our directed garment printers going all day long. So again, we're pumping out about 600 orders a day and we don't take any of our own direct to garment orders. So if somebody walks in the door and wants, you know, a full color shirt or a handful of them, we, we say no. So that, those are kind of our boundaries again, of not taking those small orders and, and just letting that department focus on the fulfillment. Is there any thoughts of using um, heat transfers for those smaller orders or is just that the, the time to get them approved and all this other nonsense is just. We do, we do a fair amount of heat transfers. Um, so we will take those when it's necessary. And if it's a lot, you know, say they want a hundred shirts and it's a eight color unrealistic back, we'll get that from super color and, and slap it on there. Um, and I think direct to film is going to be the answer for all that stuff for us moving forward. I do. I, I was blown away in Long Beach. I don't know about you, but I feel like it should have just been called the the DTF show. <laughs> it was crazy. We Everywhere you look, that. it was a DTF machine. I'm like, holy smokes. So I feel like they're still working on that technology. And in a year or so, I definitely would like to tap into that and use that for those smaller runs. And, you know, all the stuff that we're having to sub out through Supercolor would be nice to just have that in-house. Oh, you're back, we were just Steven. talking about that. My computer decided to like speed up like a spaceship and then just turn off. Die. As you know, my thing that I was just saying, literally the exact same thing, like the, maybe a couple of weeks ago, it just sh- completely shot. Yeah. So, so Supercolor has been great. And, um, this episode hasn't come out yet. We just did a really cool one. Farrah, uh, they were talking about how there's so much DTF at Long Beach, but it was crazy. What I'll say is that Rum gave us a tour of his new facility and, um, he's invested, uh, eight figures, low eight figures into building out these facilities to make them like truly high scale and get quick, you know, next day turnaround. Um, Unbelievable stuff that 
it's hard to understand the scale of this without seeing it and then seeing those machines and you're like, oh, okay, now I understand like what he's investing and what they're building there and, and why that works so well. But it changed my perspective so much. But we'll have to, we'll wait for that. Uh, we'll wait for that episode to come out. Farag, when you were gone, while your computer was blacked out, um, Jessica was just saying that the best piece of equipment she's bought was the Doubt Hit. CTS. <laughs> yeah. You're in, you're on Team Doubt Hit? For sure. I mean, who doesn't love Mark? I was just Literally. saying, the, that guy's incredible. The before and after, I mean, like, fair for your shop before and after CTS, what was that like for you guys? It was hell. It was, it was really a dark, the dark room was a dark place before CTS. Now the dark room is a place of peace and tranquility and order and beauty. Yep. See, I told you, Bruce, it's all of the above. <laughs> I don't know how changer. to describe the feeling, but if anyone took the CTS away from us, I would, I would be in a very, I would be very sad. Yep. Same. Agree. But see, Steven, that's how I think I'm going to feel about the reclaiming machine, because that's a dark place too. When you want to, who wants to wash screens? I mean, I was telling Bruce when you were off that you are crazy blessed to have that guy yeah. come in as a retiree and enjoy it. So I feel like it might be a similar situation where it just kind of takes all that yucky feeling away and it's a beautiful place to be it's funny andy at Shirkong reclaims because <laughs> he's got the auto reclaimer so he like he's like i'm a head reclaimer um <laughs> that's it's probably fun. kind of fun to run that thing through honestly yeah i mean yeah it's uh yeah it'll be interesting it'll be interesting we're going to talk to alex in a couple i think a couple of weeks to start start picking his brain about it um i, th I think the the cost is still really high for me but i feel like we're close um, yeah. What about like, do you have an eco rinse or like the washout for after screens are exposed? No, I mean, we have our own made up version of that really. Um, Brian's so innovative here. So he's made all our filtration systems, all our rinsing systems. Um, while you're off the call, I also told Bruce that we have a retiree that just came in who's washing squeegees for us. And that's been a massive pain point too, because nobody wants to wash squeegees. So that alone just takes kind of some of that yucky feeling out of the wash area and everybody's happy. You know, all of a sudden everybody loves to be around there now that this guy's taking that little dishwashing station away. It's, it's cool to find people on your team that are just content doing their jobs. For that, sure. Amen to that. I mean, it, it's nice to have, because sometimes it's like, I feel like so many people want to keep moving up, which is great, but uh, there's only so many roles and, and responsibilities. Like I, I don't, I don't have much else to offer other than, you know, but you want to keep the good people. So it's, it's a tricky balance. And for me, and then that's the thing, it is a balance. So I know that our screen guy absolutely hates washing squeegees. So to bring in somebody an hour a day to do that and take that off his plate has actually been really good for us because it completely changed his attitude. Like I, he loves, he's dancing around, singing around, doing his screens and it's, it really is a game changer. And the other guy coming in, the retiree loves it too. So everybody's happy. So it's kind of a win-win and it's a tough balance. Cause it's like, yeah, we're all going to have a part of our job that we don't particularly enjoy. So we can't just, you know, baby everyone and take away all their, their tough tasks. But at some point you want people to do what, to enjoy doing what they're doing, you know, and not, carry around a bad attitude about it the whole time they're doing it. So that's been a win-win for us. Jessica, do you spend time with your employees doing like one-on-one? -on -one? 
like just check-ins and like do you have cadence with them to be like yes. what are your goals tell us about that a little bit because it sounds like you take take very a much so um yeah so i came from the corporate world and i actually my last role was related to an hr type position um in wellness so that stuff's really important to me we do annual reviews where they'll do a self-evaluation i'll do an evaluation um and we're very strict on that like that that happens without fail and then we try to do check-ins every once in a while, but we do a staff meeting once a month. We do an office meeting bi-weekly and we do a production meeting bi-weekly. So that's kind of our time to huddle within our little departments. Um, and then anytime I feel something going on or, you know, somebody's, something's going on in somebody's life or their attitude's not quite where it should be, you know, we'll, I'll take them to lunch or we'll do, you know, just a check-in. Or maybe it's a six-month review, but just try to really stay in tune and make sure we're all on the same page and, and everybody's doing well. And for me, growth's important, so we all want to grow. I mean, I don't want somebody to stay in the same position for six years. Um, and I think we've done a really good job of that internally of letting people grow into different positions. And it's hard when you're a small team. I mean, we're a team of 11 right now, um, 11 and a half, and so it's there's not a ton of room for growth, let's be honest, but even just moving people around a little bit, it, it makes a huge difference. A good example of that is uh, Nicole, our office manager. She started just doing quotes for us and then grew into managing the schedule, doing all the ordering. And now she's essentially in an HR position where she handles all our health benefits and payroll and all, you know, all the HR stuff. And she loves it. And she's found that that's, that's her jam. Um, so it's really just kind of moving people around and letting them find what they love. And, and then you'll, you'll see that they really excel in that. That is really cool. I, it, I, when I, when you mentioned quotes at the beginning of the episode, you mentioned that I feel like I'm doing too much in it. And it's interesting because I think we all feel that way. But then you also said that you're like, yeah, I just feel like I shouldn't be doing quotes, but I'm doing a lot of quotes, but then she helps with quotes too. Is there a reason you feel like, or, or do you just feel like you can just like help her out do the quotes and do them faster or that, that you feel like you get stuck uh, kind of in the operational stuff instead of on the business like you wanted? It's a little bit of both. I think we probably all have this problem where it's like, it's just faster and easier. Just do it myself. And you know, it will be done flawlessly. So if it's a massive client coming in that I've really wanted and been working on, obviously I'll do the quote and, make sure it's done the way I want it. Um, but that's the hardest part is relinquishing control, right? And trusting that all that stuff is handled the way that you would handle it. But these girls are awesome. I just, for me, it's just more of like a, a control and almost an addiction. Like you get in and you yeah, just want to be busy and you just want, it's fun like seeing quotes go out the door, but it's like at the end of the day, I'm like, why did I do that? Why did I not pass that off? It's, it's ridiculous. You know, I heard a podcast of you, um, Bruce, when you're talking about how you find yourself ordering stuff on Amazon, when it's like, you could have just asked one of your teammates or assistant to do it. And, it's, and, and we all do that. And it's like, why did we just waste 10, 20 minutes yeah. busting out this task that we really didn't need to do? Yeah. I think it's the addiction to the, like the small wins. It's an addiction. Like it, feel, it feels good. It's almost like you get a little dopamine hit when you like complete something. And like, mm -hmm. as an owner, it feels like the, the higher you get, the less you actually complete. It's like these longer, bigger, grander plans and strategies and things. And, um, anyway, that just like popped up and I was like, I like, cause I'll say, Oh, I don't want to do this, but I want to do that. But I'm literally still doing it. I'm stuck in it. But yeah. anyway, what, what else? And there's is never enough time in the day. 
Never enough time of the day. Exactly. What, what do you think is, uh, we're just wrapping up. What do you feel like is new? I know you guys have shirt of the month going. What, how is that going by the way? Yeah, it's going well. Um, I wish I had a lot more time to pour into that. And that's another thing is to stay, letting myself step away so that I can focus on that. Um, but that is our passion project. So it's called the love unstoppable movement. It's a subscription based shirt of the month. So you get a shirt, you don't know what color, you don't know what design, you just know that it's going to be like super cool, trendy, powerful logo. And for me, it was really just, just our way to make a difference in the industry and just in our community and just overall globally. Um, so for us, we use all made exclusively for the shirts. That way we're having an environmental impact. Is this off your website that I could see it? Yeah, you can see it. Uh, it should say our passion project or love and movement. Got it. Um, how's it, how's it going with, um, like sales? Is it nice kind of recurring revenue? Is it? Yeah, it's recurring. It, um, it's dropped off a bit. So when COVID hit, we, it actually really took off and we had a lot of people doing it as gift subscriptions. Mm -hmm. So you can, you can do a monthly subscription. You can do an annual subscription or a three month or a gift. And so for us, we found that a lot of people were gifting it when, when things were tough, you know, obviously people are going through some hard times and that became huge. And since then it's dropped off a bit. Um, but primarily because I haven't had the time to pour into it and haven't done any, you know, PR or marketing or events or anything. Um, but it's just really cool. It's, a a portion of it goes to charity. So we pick a local charity or a family in need or, you know, whatever the cause is. And it's just a way to lift people up. It's all about, it, it is spiritual. Um, I do say it's non-religious though. So for me, it's a Christian thing, but I, you know, I, I, I truly believe that we're all honoring the same person, whether it's Buddha, all of the universe, whatever, we all have a higher power. And to me, it's the same thing. Um, but sure. really it's just about love. It's about being a good human, spreading kindness. Um, and that might sound a little cheesy because I feel like these days it's all about spread love, spread kindness, but truly like there there's, we still have issues. There's still, you know, racism and inequality and all these silly things that our generation doesn't necessarily see, but unfortunately it's there. So it's really just a way to make, to lift people up and to give back, um, and make a difference. So it's been really fun. That's awesome. Everybody. This is Jessica Tillery. You guys can follow her at all quality graphics and your, uh, handles in their description too. So to feel free to reach out. You've got so much going on. Congratulations on your success too. Um, thank you so much, Bruce. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, absolutely. It's exciting to always be able to hang out and meet up at all the different trade shows. Guys, thank you so much for listening into. We'll see you guys at the next podcast episode.